This is Chad Brashears, and you're listening to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. This podcast is about creating a behind-the-scenes look with coaches, fans, and reporters from our point of view, sharing cool stories as only we've lived them. The goal is for you to learn something new to help your life and allow yourself to take a break from everyday chaos and let us give you a behind-the-scenes look into our world. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Good morning and welcome to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast, Friday, January the 29th, 2021, last Friday of the month. Looking forward to today's show. We are going to have some Focus Friday as well as Sports Wrap and a couple guys calling in today to chat about a little bit of anything and everything in the world of sports and in the world of health in general. So let's start in the sporting world. We will first start in college football. The ACC is returning to an eight-game conference schedule, and they're pushing Notre Dame back to being independent again after this past year with regards to COVID. In the NBA last night, the Trailblazers lose to the Rockets 104-101. The Pistons beat the Lakers 107-92. That is two losses in a row for the Lakers on the road. The LA Clippers go into Miami and win 109-105, and the Phoenix Suns knock off the Warriors 114-93. In NHL action, the Bruins beat the Pens 4-1 and the Caps beat the Islanders 6-3. The Capitals are now 5-0-3 on the season. On to college basketball. The number one team in the country, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, beat San Diego 90-62. Houston goes into Tulane and wins 83-60. And Kansas beats TCU 59-51. At halftime, TCU was beating Kansas 19-18. No, that is not a misprint. Michigan State goes to Rutgers and loses 67-37. That is Tom Izzo's lowest output as a head coach. In the world of local sports, as I shared with you yesterday, we had a meeting last night to discuss what the 2021 winter season looked like. So a friendly reminder, all family ID, physicals, and COVID paperwork must be turned in before you can try out. Trial dates are starting on February the 6th. There will be different variations of what these workouts will look like up until the 15th of February. On the 15th of February, it looks like everybody will be getting together. There will be scrimmages on the 16th and 19th of February. Our first games will be on the 26th of February, as well as March 1st, 3rd, 5th, 8th, 10th, and 12th. Looking forward to the season. Looking forward to getting back with my guys. It's going to be a great time. Here is our schedule as of today. On the 26th of February, Hancock will play at South Hagerstown High School. We travel to Smithsburg on March the 1st. We have a bye on March the 3rd. On March the 5th, Boonesboro travels to South Hagerstown High School. We play at Clear Spring High School on the 8th of March. Williamsport comes to South on the 10th of March. And we play at our arch rival, North Hagerstown High School, on the 12th of March. That is going to be the schedule for this season. Friday Focus will be back right after this. Never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in... Three, two, one. Welcome back to Friday Focus. Here we go. You never know when you're going to get a good idea that changes the course of your life. But when you have an idea and it hits you, and it keeps surfacing to the top of your head and sitting on your mind, the universe is telling you to focus and pay attention to it. 
We need to focus on what is on our mind. Our mind knows what's best for us. So this is why I wanted to call this Friday Focus. Focus on what your mind is telling you and your body's telling you and you're gonna be a lot more healthier and happier. Kevin Dunleavy will be back right after this. Never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in Three, two, one. Welcome back to Never My Wildest Dream Podcast. Looking forward to my next guest. It's Kevin Dunleavy. Kevin and I got to meet in 2017 when I got hired as the South Hagerstown basketball coach. And we've kept in contact pretty much ever since. And uh, he's actually become a really good friend of mine. Like We've been able to reach out through text messages and talk about different games. Kevin's been in the sports writing game for a long time. He was actually a sports writer before he went to college while he was in high school. He attended George Mason University. He also worked for the Department of Agriculture as well as another government entity while still writing the paper. Um, he did have to get out of writing a little bit, but he got right back in and has been doing it for 26 years. He's worked for four different newspapers, and I'm excited to introduce him. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chad. Thanks for having me on. Hey, not a problem. Looking forward to it. So you started writing in high school. Um, how did you get into the industry? How did writing and all that stuff kind of intrigue you? Well, my mom did it. When I was in Little League, she was the, uh, the reporter that assembled all the game reports and wrote for the local newspaper, and, <clears throat> and I just sort of picked it up at some point. I think when I was playing Babe Ruth League, I was uh, writing the Little League reports, and uh, and then it <clears throat> it kind of blossomed from there. And uh, you know, when I was in high school, I was doing high school games. Now, so it, you know, I look at a guy like uh, uh, who's the kid Braden? from South Hagerstown, Braden, yeah, Braden Leather, and, yep. uh, yeah. I was kind of kind of did it the way he did it. Uh, certainly not with the technology. I was just doing the just doing the writing part of it. I guess he was doing the. He was doing TV when he was in high school, but, uh, you know, just kind of brought, born with it uh, or brought up with it. Well, you know, when we, I mean, I can go back to the first time that you and I ever talked. Um, that interview was a fairly unique one <laughs> from my standpoint. <laughs> I remember I, that, yeah. I remember you texting me, and I didn't have your number, and, uh, you know, I, I had uh, I'd been hired earlier that day. I was leaving the viewing of my other grandmother that had passed away and then my grandmother had died earlier that day so I was able to tell her that I got the job and then you know the next thing you know I got a text and I didn't realize that how late it was the day was kind of a blur and I was like oh crap I gotta call this guy from the newspaper and you know that was one of the the craziest conversations because I'm sure you've never uh, probably talked to a guy that had all that happen in one day have you <laughs> yeah you do you do the standard you know coach gets hired uh uh, story and you've got your your sort of the questions that you've always asked and you expect to write a you know a story that looks like a lot of the other ones that you've written about other coaches getting hired and here you know you were you sort of reflected the emotion of the time for you and so much going on and and I was able to incorpor incorporate that in the story and thanks for letting me do that I you know I, I appreciate your your candor and you being, uh, you know, you, a lot of people would not want anything like that printed, but it was able. I was able to sort of put you in a place where uh, you were having a wild day and, you know, an emotional day certainly, and uh, it really made for a different story than the typical 
coach gets hired story. Well, no, and I and honestly, Kevin, I appreciate. I appreciate all the stuff you've written. Um, you've always treated me with respect. You always ask the the right questions, and even if they were questions that were tough, I hopefully gave you the answers that <laughs> yeah. were uh, were needed at the time. I mean, it's never easy to answer a question after a rival loss. I mean, I had a couple of those in my career. So, but you did get to experience the one that we did beat North, which, if ironically, was yesterday a year ago. Is that right? It was yesterday, a year ago. Yeah, how crazy is that? I mean, where 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 we're at a year later is somewhere I never thought we'd be. That's just the bizarre fact of everything that's been kind of going on. So yeah, nobody uh, could have predicted it. I remember the last game I covered was the North and Frederick game. You know, the region final, yep. and uh, and then the next day I think it was was when everything was shut down, and you know. What if North had won that game? How they would have probably felt worse. They couldn't go any further. So it would yeah. have been. Uh, it was a. It was a hard thing to. Hard thing to stomach, and certainly nothing that we've ever dealt with in our lifetimes. No, you I mean no. You're right about that. Um, so you know you've covered pretty much probably every sport I would assume in your career of being a reporter. Which ones do you enjoy covering the most, and which ones were most difficult for you to recover? Hmm. I don't know about most difficult. I there's something I liked about every every sport I covered. Um, there's something about being in a gym that's that's fantastic because the noise and the the emotions and it, you know you could see the faces so much better than you can in a football game or uh, uh, in a baseball game. You're right there. You're close to the participants, and uh, it's more emotional. I think uh, so. I you know I've loved basketball. I have a particular uh, interest in lacrosse. I think um, I was I was covering Georgetown Prep and Land and two of the elite schools in the mm-hmm. in the Washington area and developed a an interest in lacrosse through those two programs. And then when I got to um, I got up to Hagerstown and to see the uh, you know the, the the sport sort of blossom. That was kind of fun to be a part of that and. Uh, and enjoyed that a lot. Um, I love baseball, but uh, but lacrosse. Also, in the spring, uh, I didn't didn't cover too many baseball games, but uh, but I was able to actually. I covered a lot of baseball in the summer, doing the uh, little league games. And that was so much fun to see the uh, the excitement. I think uh, I grew up in a in a little league that was uh, that was really good. We went to the the little league World Series one year. Uh, Vienna Little League, and um, so that was kind of a brought me back to my to my youth um, to see how important Little League baseball was in the in the Hagerstown area. Um, so I don't really have a favorite sport to cover. They're they're good in so many different ways, uh, and of course Friday night football is uh, it's hard to beat that for just because the weather's usually nice and uh, and in the football games there's so much to write about. It seems like you can. You can sort of take your pick of what, uh, where to go with the story, and uh, sometimes that's not the case in other sports. That uh, it's just sort of, uh, you know, the game sort of plays out without a whole lot of drama. But I, I think in football, there's a lot of aspects of the game that can be explored uh, more so than in maybe other sports. I was to say you could almost write multiple stories off of one outcome in football, can't you? Yeah, yeah, you really could. Um, you got to kind of pick and choose. Sometimes you're you're kind of searching for a lead in other sports, and uh, 
I think in football, it usually comes, it usually, uh, there's a lot of things and I usually don't pick, pick what I'm going to write until after I talk to people and see what, uh, see what they thought of the game. You know, you mentioned Little League Baseball. Do you remember what year you guys went up to the World Series by chance? Let's see. I was out of Little League. My dad was coaching, helping coach the team. Okay. So I think it was 19, it would have been well after your dad. It was probably 1970, oh boy, 70, 1970, I guess. Sort of been two years after dad then. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's just, you know, it's funny how the world kind of crosses there. But, I mean, you guys were at the Little League World Series literally two years after Hagerstown was at the Little League World Series. That's pretty cool. That's Yeah. It doesn't happen. I mean, I'm a huge Little League World Series fan. I think it's one of the best environments. I think if you're a sports fanatic of any kind, you need to take a trip to South Williamsport in August and experience yeah. that. Um yeah, that was so memorable. I mean, the, it was back in the days of single elimination. So uh, mm-hmm. my dad's team, uh, you know, they lost two to one to, to a team from Indiana, and they were, you know, it was over for them. So not like it is now where you get to play. Uh, you're guaranteed several games and a good long stay there. Yeah, to stay, the games on national television, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny you brought up lacrosse. I kind of take some notes while we're talking here, Kevin, and you you mentioned lacrosse, so I wrote that down. Here's my lacrosse story. I knew what lacrosse was at Shenandoah University because I had lacrosse roommates when I moved off campus. I had two guys that played on the lacrosse team. But when I came back and became the head coach at Goretti after Koki retired, we were playing Loyola Blakefield. And Loyola had this point guard, as we were talking before we got on the air here, about Tom Brady's cool, calm, and collectiveness. So this kid does not make a mistake the entire second half we're playing. Like, he makes every foul shot. He makes every right play. So I asked their head coach, Josh Tavali, after the game, I'm like, where is that kid going to play college basketball? Like, he's really, really good. He had this smirk on his face, and he said he's the number one lacrosse player in the country, and he's going to UVA. <laughs> is that right? Yep. His name was Steel Stanwick. He won, like, the oh, high. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Steel? Okay. So, Yeah. So Steele made no mistakes in basketball in the second half. And I'm like, who in the hell is this kid? Like, God, we can't get him to, like, make a mistake, turn over, miss a foul shot, nothing. But that kid, and after I found that out, we played him the next time. It was, I did get a chance to talk to him afterwards and told him I look forward to watching him on Memorial Day weekend because that's when the big lacrosse stuff kicks in. And he was an unbelievably great kid. But it was funny just to see, and guess where I'm going with this is, You've covered a ton of teams and games and athletes. If you're a Division One athlete, you will do stuff that's totally different than anybody else on the floor, whether it's mental, physical. Do you see that as you've covered games and over your time? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it really separates. In high school, you can thrive just with your with your physical talent, and unless you're unless you're incredible, that doesn't happen in college. I mean, it it, it really comes down to to the hardest workers and the, and it's like being a professional without being a professional. I mean, you gotta, it's a, it's almost a year round thing to be a college athlete and, uh, and you got to work hard and you got to separate yourself that way because you get there and it's going to be a lot of guys that have the same physical ability. I mean, I remember my first weekend at Shenandoah when we moved in and, you know, you're eager, you're just excited to be a college athlete. You know, you, you get to kind of like check the box of dream fulfilled. And then yeah. you, you go in your first like open hoop 
open run session. And you really, I, I didn't get picked up for the first game, which I didn't think I would. You know, it was all the older cats out there playing. And I'm sitting there with the, the bunch of freshmen who just moved in. And we finally got to play, and the speed of the game was, like, a lot faster than what I remembered, even from the Catholic League. And then I just remember sitting down after a couple games and thinking, these were the top two or three kids, one, two or three kids on their roster in high school, in their county in high school. I'm now at a different level of crop. i got to work harder. And, and it really did force me to work harder. I think I don't think enough kids or youth today understand what it really takes to be successful at that level. It is a complete yeah. job. It's a life. I mean, for four years, it's your lifetime. That's what you do. And that's an yeah. everyday thing for you. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I thought that was funny. You mentioned lacrosse. I wanted to bring that up because I know his name is kind of known really well in the, the lacrosse world. He's actually an assistant coach at um, Johns Hopkins now. Is he really? Yep. That's funny because his his entire family played college lacrosse, and I think it was something like four girls and uh, maybe three or four boys, and all are all excelled. I think several of them were all Americans, and it was just it shows you what in a sport like lacrosse, so much of it is uh, is being brought up in the sport, mm-hmm. you know, rather than the the physical the physical aspect of it. You know, they were good athletes, but I don't think, I think the skills are so much more important in lacrosse than the than physical ability. And, uh, yeah, they, that's, that family is, uh, I think the most, the last kid that came through was a couple of years ago, played in the NCAA tournament. And, uh, and they did a graphic with, of, uh, the siblings and, uh, how many had played college lacrosse. And it was pretty amazing. You know, it, You've been around a lot of sports, obviously, as I asked that question, which one did you like to cover, and you know which ones became more fun for you to cover. Did you have any athletes that you enjoyed covering in your time writing for the four different newspapers? You're like, man, this was this is kind of a story, a guy that was a lot of fun to cover? Yeah, the first guy that uh, in my first, uh, first newspaper job, first year I was covering uh, football, it was Churchill High School, traditional powerhouse. And uh, I covered almost all their games that entire year. And uh, there was a guy named Dahani Jones. And it went on to play in the NFL for about 10 years, linebacker, played at Michigan. But he uh, he was one of the most interesting people I'd ever met. And he, was, he had no filter. He was uh, super smart and super confident, but in a very humble way, uh, a really unique guy. And I remember he had a concussion in one game, and I asked him, you know, how that felt. And he said, well, I was really intrigued by it because I always wanted to know what a concussion felt like. <laughs> <laughs> and it was interesting because his parents were both in the medical field. and uh, So he had a real reason to want to know what a concussion felt like. And uh, I think talking to him that entire year, I knew he was going to be – I didn't know he was going to play in the NFL, but I knew he was going to be somebody special. And uh, even aside from the NFL, he he's done a reality show on uh, one of the cable networks, and just used his personality uh, as a way to uh, to um, you know to build a career. Uh, just a fascinating kid, and uh, he had a sister too, who was a field hockey player, and she was the same way. It was like you know, this is how you parent kids to make them completely confident and yet humble at the same time. Uh, uh, amazing people and 
and that kind of kicked off my experience as, as a sports writer, really getting into the personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think every, every, every year there's been a kid that just sort of, uh, you know, you could become very impressed with them and, uh, and you usually look at the parents and, uh, that's, that's why, you know, where, where it came from. Absolutely. I mean, I know in my three years that you covered games here for us, you, you always were able to find the guys on my roster, the ones that were fun. I mean, I, I use the word fun, but they're the ones that were outgoing. You could have good conversations with them, probably get good quotes from them. We're easy yeah. to talk to after the games. That's one thing that I tried to do with my guys. Um, we kind of have a little bit of a crash course in media. You know, how we're going to answer questions, how we should answer questions, the words we should use, because they really don't know how to do a lot of that stuff. And oh, yeah. It's a whole nother ball game when you have to go answer questions after a game. Whether you win or lose, you you know, if you win, you don't want to go out and I, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So we did have to have some crash courses on that, which made it, it made it fun. We did some role playing, and it was always fun to see them interact the way that they would interact with you in the hallway when I would pass them after a game. <laughs> yeah. I could walk by and I'd be like, thank goodness they're answering the questions the right way. <laughs> I remember those times, Chad. It was uh, it was always in that little hallway with the uh, with the window and yep. uh, and the radiator. And uh, it's funny you you talk to a kid the first time, and often that's the first time he's ever spoken to a reporter. Yes, you usually have a microphone in your hand and you got it up near his mouth, so you know they'll be staring down at the microphone and. Uh, um, and not, you know, they'll be there, deer in the headlights. But invariably, the second time you talk to a kid, uh, they'll be so much more prepared, and they'll be they'll be better. It's like, a, you know, a little microcosm of growth that you see with uh, with somebody when you put them in a in a situation they're not used to, and they you see them, uh, you know, get more comfortable with it. You know, it's funny you say that. <clears throat> You mentioned covering Little League Baseball. What's it like to recover like a 12-year-old or 11-year-old kid? Yeah, that's even more extreme because, uh, you know, they really aren't ever used to talking to a reporter. uh, And you talk to one kid and usually the rest of the team will all gather around. And uh, (laughs) and then it becomes very uncomfortable because the kid doesn't feel like he, you know, he can talk at all. So I usually try to try to get them one-on-one and uh, you often don't get a whole lot from a kid, but when you do, you do get a talkative kid that uh, that's comfortable. It's uh, it's really neat because they usually have the, they of course have no filter at that age, and uh, and you get some great quotes and uh, stuff right from the heart. I think when you talk to a high school kid, you're often talking to somebody who's um, trying to sound like Kobe Bryant or you know whoever his basketball or baseball or football hero is, and it just comes out to be a lot of cliches. Yeah. Uh, is not really worthwhile. I've, I've noticed that not just, you know, with, with the, the kids, but sometimes you get like, even coaches, some of us, we give one word or one little line answers, especially after a loss, you really don't know what to say. You kind of just say certain things, but I've really tried to be better about that. I mean, I, I can't change the outcome. I, I joked with my brother the other day, I'm going to make you laugh about this. So my brother probably has one of the craziest like heart rhythms that you can have as a fan. So we're watching the Packers game the other day at Benny's Pub. His heart rate's like 90-plus watching the game on television. Okay. So after the Smithsburg game last year, we won our 11th out of 12, and we won in overtime. 
thank goodness, you know, it was a great high school basketball game in their little gym. It was rocking. It was a lot of fun. Great environment. Kevin sits in the top row of the game. So we go out after the game, grab a couple drinks and, you know, some food to munch on. And he tells me that his heart rate was like 180 in the top row. I'm like, Kevin, you're going to die watching a basketball game. Like, what, what is going on here? He goes, yours wasn't that high. Well, I have one of the Apple Watches, so I was able to go check to see what my pulse, rough my beats were, roughly in the fourth quarter and overtime of that game on the sideline, and it was like 88. So I said, <laughs> I said, look, dude, I can't. And he goes, well, you can control stuff. And where I'm going with this, you're going to laugh. I said, Kevin, I can't control anything. I call plays. I set defenses. They make the plays. They make the shots. It was just as stressful sitting in my seat as it was sitting in the top row of the bleachers that night because, you know, Adam has to hit a big shot or Ja has to make the right play with Roldan. I mean, we can't control any of that stuff. We put the kids in place, and they got to make the plays. And so I thought you'd find that pretty funny that, you know, even even the fans have heart rates that, that run through the roof when they're watching <laughs> these games. Yep. I think reporters probably do too at times, you know. Get, you get excited about it about a game, certainly a basketball game, with uh, with all the noise and the emotion. Uh, I think we get caught up in it, too. You, you know, I grew up spoiled. I mean, that's the easiest <laughs> way to put it. My mom was the athletic director at Goretti. I grew up around coach the entire time. I, I had keys to the facility. I could get shots up whenever I wanted to. And um, I went to Goretti knowing that's where I wanted to go. And then I, you know, went to college, played there, played after college, and then came back to the high school level and started coaching with Coke, and then I got the head job there. I thought I had the best job in town, and, and it's still a great job, and I'm not playing off the, what job it is, but the MAIT was constantly packed. Like, that was a big environment for fans, and I always thought that was, like, the biggest games of the year until I got the South job. That North-South game is off the charts in every aspect for the entire week. I mean, leading up to the games – the pregame stuff, during the game, postgame, it is a heavyweight battle every single time we play those guys. I mean, from the text you get, you know, you go to the barbershop and you're get, getting crap from people in the barbershop, you're finally going to get a win when we weren't beating them. And then pregame, you have a whole bunch of people coming up and talking to you about, hey, you got to get them and what's the game plan. And then the game itself, is, as you know, takes its own mold and just kind of runs with it as the game flows. And then after the game, it's this big letdown of everything led up to 32 minutes. But it's kind of like the North Carolina-Duke games. I mean, it's pretty wild how intense those games were. How was it covering those games? Oh, it was totally different. The first one I, the first one I covered, I, I, I could tell. And uh, Actually, I think the first one was a girls game. Okay. And I didn't stick around to cover the the boys game but it was like i was leaving this gym that just seemed to be so much different um than any other game that i had covered and uh and that uh, told me right then it was a completely different animal and the thing about the rivalry i think it became a little um imbalanced you know north had so much success there for for several years and yet um that didn't diminish the intensity at all if anything it seemed to make it even even more intense uh, in my mind uh, which surprised me you know last year <clears throat> we lost them at their place we played unbelievable in the first half and the wheels fell off in the second half we just couldn't stop the bleeding once the hemorrhaging started and lolly and alex made plays as as seniors like they usually do 
When we played them at home, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a little confession to make. I knew I was taking my shirt and tie off at halftime. <laughs> I told Andy before the game because I li- okay. We talk about cliches, right? So I watch a lot of college basketball, and I saw that Virginia Tech was it Virginia Tech. No, it was Texas A&M. I'm sorry, Texas A&M was playing, and they had a maroon out. And Buzz wore the same shirt that the student section wore on the sideline. And I was like, man, that's a really cool idea. What game could I do that at? So we were going through the laundry to hand out the shooting shirts and the jerseys to the guys before the game. And Andy's like, hey, we have like two extra shooting shirts. I'm like, hey, give me one of those. So we go. I take it back to like the locker room area where I got changed. And he goes, what are you going to do with that? I said, I'm going to wear this. He's like, what? He was like, you always wear a suit. I said, at halftime, win or lose, I'm going to wear this, and I'm going to have one black, just like our student section does. And he goes, you're crazy. We are losing at halftime by three. I come back. I said, just go get them. Sit them the hell down. Go sit them down. I'm coming in. I went in and took that shirt and tie off, put the black shirt on, came in. I said, I'm on with you guys now. I didn't have to say a word. I don't think we were in there more than 30 seconds. They were ready to run right out through the wall. And we went out, and obviously the second half, we took care of business and I would have to say it's probably one of the bigger wins of my career just from the emotional perspective um, of finally getting that monkey off the back. But, yeah, I didn't have a chance to tell you that after the game because it was kind of – I had to answer a couple quick questions so you could get it, you know, posted at the right time to get it printed. But I wanted to confess I was going to change that shirt at halftime no matter what. So, <laughs> Well, the plan worked really well. And I, I remember thinking uh, this seems this seems nuts, but but I in some way it uh, – it kind of, uh, I mean, here you got your crowd right behind you, and, yeah. uh, and you were blended in, and it, it really had a great effect. And I, I knew I liked uh, it had to be something that I wouldn't include include in the story because it was different, and it was uh, I didn't know it was uh, I didn't know it was planned out. But uh, thanks for letting me know that. But uh, it worked either yeah. way, and it was made the game memorable in my mind. But and I appreciate that. I mean, it was you know. I'm a suit guy, as you know. I, I kind of the the running joke around town is how quickly does the jacket come off? Um, I don't know what I'm going to wear this year when we play. I haven't quite figured that out yet. I'm probably just going to go like NBA bubble, relaxed as as long as it looks good. Um, you know, with us playing six games this year, it's going to be a lot different in a lot of aspects. So it's. Next year, we'll probably be back to the normal, but, you know, who knows? I mean, who knows how long we're going to have to wear these masks or how long, you know, things are going to go down like that. So I want to make sure that, you know, at least at least the guys know that I'm, I'm punching the clock. And that's the real reason I always got dressed up. I never had a chance to answer that either. A lot of other people asked why I wore a suit. I wanted the guys to know how important I took the game. Yeah. And, and not because a suit makes you take the game important. It's not that way. It's just how I take it important, and they knew that. And, um, you know, it's a job. And, and, I, and I'm very fortunate to be a high school basketball coach. And obviously, you know my background and the stuff that I fought through in my personal life to get to that level. I'm, I'm, I feel blessed every day to have keys to a facility to be able to coach again. So, Yeah. Will fans be allowed in the, uh, in the, the six games? So as of right now, we don't know. It's going to be more or less where the numbers are falling as we get closer to that time. Um, we are going to have to wear masks on the bench. The players are going to have to wear masks. I don't think we do any high five or high fives, any uh, congratulations after the game. So we can do no high fives, no fist bumps, no none of that stuff. Um, it, it's going to be a little different. Um, but for 32 minutes, we get some sense of normalcy. 
And I, and I think that that's what everybody kind of needs, in my opinion. Um, you know, you mentioned football is a sport that you and I talked about. Obviously, I'm a Packers guy. You're a uh, Washington football team. I want to make sure I stop myself from saying the other word, but a Washington football <laughs> yeah. team fan. Um, I always felt like for three hours on a Sunday, my day was normal again. Did you get the same feeling? Yeah. I mean, you look at all the criticism of uh, – you know, when the when leagues started playing back up, and I think, um, you know, you look back on it, and you, it's certainly been a success. I mean, the NFL didn't miss a didn't miss a game. They had to they had to shove a few back and juggle the schedule a little bit with a couple of the teams like the Ravens. But uh, um, you know, I think the Redskins had maybe two COVID cases the entire year, which was amazing considering how how those guys have to be together. Uh, and, I, you know, it was something that was, uh, boy, it was a great outlet. And I, and I watched the games more closely, and I watched more football this year, you know, maybe because you're housebound and you're not working and, and the, for a lot of other reasons. But uh, but I got into the games more this year, even games that didn't involve, involve the, uh, the Washington football team. So, Speaking of the Washington football team, hey, quarterback thoughts. I'll, I'll, I'll be the reporter, ask the questions real quick. What, what's your take on the quarterback position at, at – uh, the team and who do you really want to see him try to bring in? Well, obviously the one guy that I love is Deshaun Watson, and uh, but everybody loves him, of course, and he's going to come with the highest price tag. Uh, but I would be willing to uh, to trade Chase Young. I, I think Chase Young has a huge following, and people are horrified at the thought of you know trading him. But if you're going to get a player like Deshaun Watson, I would do that, and uh, and. You know, you probably have to package a couple of picks along with it, but uh, the price tag now is, I think, is Houston is is asking, has got to be asking a ridiculous price tag, but just because nobody, you just don't have a quarterback come uh, come available at that stage of his career, and a quarterback that's so good and so well respected, and I think uh, you know, there's no downside with uh, with Deshaun Watson. Um, but the other options are are interesting too. Stafford, I would like, and it was certainly you'd probably only have to do one first round pick and maybe a player or, or a mid round pick, um, and that would be attractive. Maybe he's only good for four or five years, but uh, uh, as compared to Watson, who may be around for fifteen years, so uh, I really want them to do something. Though I watch a lot of ESPN. As, as you know, we don't have practice. So at the end of the at the end of a workday, by the time you get home, kind of make yourself some dinner. Every single ESPN, whether it's what's it first take, and they you know in the morning they get up, and then those things kind of repeat, and those guys go to the different shows in the evening. It's funny to catch their thoughts, like the Adam Schefters and those guys. They seem to think that wherever Deshaun Watson lands, that that'll be a ten to fifteen year spot for him. Like he won't move after this. This will be his yeah. one and only move. And they, it's funny you mentioned Matt Stafford because I was gonna. I wrote it down as you as soon as you mentioned his name, I wrote it down. I would rather see him with the Washington Football Team than with the the uh, Dallas Cowboys because that's the other rumor they're thinking about trying to get him to go to is Dallas, and that would not be fun for you guys in conference there. Well, that means Prescott would be available, I, I guess, and he would right. He would be similar uh, to acquire him. I guess you'd, you'd have to pay him a bundle, and it would be kind of similar to what you'd have to do to get uh, 
get Deshaun Watson, although I guess he'd be available as a free agent uh, this year. Which would be uh, a lot better. Be. Sign, I mean, you could sign him, but I guess you could probably like fundamentally put certain things into signing bonuses, not as much into the salary with the salary cap perspective. Like Big yeah. Ben, Big Ben's looking to readjust his contract just to stay in Pittsburgh, because if he can't, they can't afford him. Yeah. And hey, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers may be available, it sounds like. That's, uh, that's that would, the rumor. That would be interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's, you know, the, I think he's a 36.4 this coming year. And, and, and I think, you know, sometimes in, in, in after games, I think the question was asked, and he just answered it in a goofy way. I think it was a frustration of the loss, the season's over. It was just kind of a tough time, and he answered it. And you know how media is at that level. It just runs with any little tidbit of scrap they can put together and, and roll with it so um but yeah i mean if i would not i don't want to see him go but you know that's out of my control and it sounds like it's a front office decision and hopefully they keep him and he stays there for his career but it's that's also a lot of money that another team is are they willing to take 36.4 mil on their salary next year that's a lot of jack so yeah it's so similar to the brett Favre situation here you know, he, he leaves and has two pretty good years, one with the Minnesota Vikings, one with the New York Jets, Jets. where, uh, you know, he still had some, he still had a lot of football left in, in him. And, you know, and, and I'll say this, so I'll get your opinion. I like Aaron Rodgers. Statistically, he's off the charts. What he does is unreal. Um, yeah. He's the sharpshooter where they called, um, the nickname in Green Bay is Aaron Rodgers is a sharpshooter. Brett Favre is the gunslinger. Kind of funny, but it does match pretty well with both of them. Aaron always seems to struggle in the big game. I don't yeah. feel as though Brett Favre, he might not have won all those big games. I know he went to two Super Bowls, lost to John Elway in the second one. But you always felt like with Brett Favre, like there was something magical that was always going to happen to get you a win. Do you? Did yeah. you feel that as a sports fan watching those games? Oh, yeah. just I think the belief that his team had in him um, was kind of evident and just the belief that comes to, from a guy that looks like he he's out there having fun and mm-hmm. and doesn't really care. I think Rogers is such a different personality than Favre. Yeah, you know, in that he seems to be introspective. He's not one of the guys, and certainly Brett Favre was one of the guys. Yeah, uh, I think he could take losses and wins and uh, in stride, and Rogers probably uh, probably it really tears him up and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know Rogers doesn't have as much help as Brett Favre did. I don't. I don't think. No, uh, I agree. Weapons wise, you know, Demonte Adams certainly is tremendous, and Aaron Jones pretty good running back. But uh, um, yeah, they need. They really need another receiver for him to him to really to really be at his best. I think. And if you look at the two teams that are going to continue to play next weekend, they have a lot of solid receivers. They have a lot of solid tight ends. Yeah, it's just the. I mean, look, you could have great running backs, and I'm not picking on the Detroit Lions, but they had one of the best running backs ever in Barry Sanders. You can clog the box, and once you start clogging that up, and you can, you don't have solid receivers on the outside. It makes it a lot difficult for the quarterback to make plays, and you're trying to, you know, pigeonhole passes, and that's not a good place to be. Yeah, you look at, you know, Mahomes is so impressive, and I. I would almost say he's the best quarterback I've ever seen, but then you got to stop yourself and say, what would he be without two incredibly fast receivers? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it would be a different, maybe he wouldn't, he wouldn't be that good with, uh, certainly without Hill and Kelsey are two of the best 
maybe the two best receivers in football. Yeah. Uh, and giving, you know, with their both having completely different dimensions with uh, Kelsey having the size and the speed and, and uh, ability to run with the ball and then and then Hill with just incredible speed. Oh, watching him run is unreal. The way he just gets yeah. out and makes plays <laughs> yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. Here's one thing. I uh, didn't know if you knew this or not. I had Coach Chad Dickman on the show earlier and last week, and he used to be an assistant at Wheeling Jesuit University <clears throat> before he came to Hood. So we were talking, and I asked him, what was the craziest person like he recruited? Like, who was the one that he went after that he was really impressed? He didn't get him, but it was one that was like a far fetch. He recruited Travis Kelsey. That was his number one recruit one year to go after. Is that right? Yep. Wow. And evidently, <laughs> Travis Kelsey was a better basketball player than he was football player in high school. At, at Cleveland yeah. Heights in Ohio, he was a better basketball, better known basketball player than he was football. He was a three-star basketball athlete and a two-star football athlete. Well, that's so true. You think of like uh, Gates, that tight end for the uh, um, for the Chargers, and you know a whole lot of basketball. I think basketball is just everybody that can play it wants to play it. And, yeah, uh, football just is a harder deal. But, it really uh, is. Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that. Uh, it seems like it's not it's not rare at all. No, I mean, and, and it's funny. I'll, I'll mention this one too. I listen to the Pat McAfee show every week. I think that guy's really funny. I think he does an unbelievable job. He actually kind of gave me the thought that I could do what we're doing literally right now, which is have these conversations and have fun. But he had Alan Lazard on from the Packers last week. Alan Lazard's junior year. Now I want you to think about this. This is crazy. Had forty nine dunks in basketball. His junior year. I don't know if we've had 49 dunks in three years combined in Washington County basketball since I've been back. I mean, maybe if we put Goretti and St. James in the mix, we're going to get closer to that number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you definitely have to do that. But, uh, yeah, Lazard isn't even that big a guy. What, six foot maybe at most? Yeah, like six one, two fifteen. I mean, that, that would have been pretty impressive. I'd like to see if they have any of that on huddle. Go back and watch some of those explosion dunks because there's not a lot of guys like that that can do that athleticism. Yeah. Um, so, what, what's on the forecast horizon for you? What, what's the goal? What are you trying to get into in the next, you know, couple months or year or so with regards to reporting? What, what's it look like for Kevin? Well, just uh, looking for a job. I'm. I don't. Uh, I don't have any areas where I'm, you know, of great interest. In fact, I interviewed for a job uh, the other day, and uh, I think I was doing pretty well in the interview, and then. It would be political reporting, and uh, I was asked the question: Do you what areas of politics do you have an interest in? <laughs> I've kind of stumbled. <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have an answer for that one. <laughs> I did not prepare myself well for the interview. I guess not having any kind of uh, interest, so I couldn't really lie and uh, bluff my way through that one. But right. uh, you know, I, I I would develop an interest in just about anything I would write about. But right. uh, you know, I really I want to write, but. Uh, you know, maybe that's just not in the cards for me. Uh, we'll see. Well, maybe it's not in the cards for you right now. I mean, you know, writing is one of those things you can do for a lifetime. So if it's something yeah. that you get away from for a little bit, you constantly, I mean, you're going to write. It's just how your mind operates. Um, knowing you for three years, I know how your mind kind of thinks as we go through conversations and questions. I mean, it's not going to change. So I hope to get you back on a paper here soon and, you know, look forward to catching up with you when I get to read your stuff again. Well, thanks a lot, Chad. It's been great talking to you and catching up, and uh, 
and I will be at a game if I can be there for, uh, you know, when you start back up. So yep. let me know about the schedule and if that's possible. I will. You know what? I'll text the schedule over to you, and I'll let you know. As soon as we hear about fans or not, I'll let you know right away. And if it's got to be a thing where you need to be on a list or whatever, you're you're always going to be on my list. So. Well, I can be your scorekeeper or whatever you need. I you, can you know what? That, that's a that's a capacity. good idea. That's a great idea. I just want to get you in the facility so you can be back in the gym and hear the ball bounce again at South Hagerstown High School. That'd be great. Hey, I appreciate it, Kevin. You have a great rest of your day. You too, Chad. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. I always enjoy catching up with Kevin. He's a uh, he's become a good a good friend being able to connect with regards to the sports world. He uh, He's always been fair to me, and I've always enjoyed having him cover my games. Like I said when we were talking earlier, my uh, first encounter with him was probably one that, I'd, A, I really don't wish on anybody when you lose two grandparents within four days of each other and you – or leaving one viewing and heading basically back home, and you're talking to the newspaper after your other grandmother passed away earlier in the day. So Kevin was very kind in the way that he wrote that article, and I have multiple copies of it. One is framed, and I'll always treasure the way he wrote that article to make it feel very comfortable for me and my family in a very tough time. But like I said, I love talking to Kevin. I hope he uh, finds a place soon. I'd love to have him back in the gym here in the next couple weeks with regards to our game starting up. Before we head out, let's look at the games for tomorrow in college basketball. Alabama travels to Oklahoma. Texas Tech plays at LSU. Florida is at West Virginia. TCU is at Missouri. Villanova is at Seton Hall. Wisconsin is at Penn State. Auburn travels to Baylor. Florida State is at Georgia Tech. Virginia, Virginia Tech battle it out. Kansas is at Tennessee. Oregon State's at UCLA. Gonzaga is at Pepperdine. And in the nightcap, the Texas Longhorns travel to play John Calipari's Wildcats of Kentucky. This should be a great day of basketball tomorrow. We look forward to talking to you then. Thank you for listening to Never My Wildest Dream podcast. Until then, stay safe and talk to you soon.